I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. The, the podcast. podcast. And I am not Theo. And I am not Juliet. I, I always try and find a fun a way to say that. There's no fun way to say it. We just have to go with it. It's just um, a depressing a fact of my life. Because I think my internet is slow because I'm in Arizona again. Yay for Arizona. Yay. I'm very happy to be here. I came down. Um, I left my house on Friday and I stayed overnight in um, Santa Clarita, I think. And uh, drove the rest of the way yesterday. And when I was in Santa Clarita, I stayed at the La Quinta. And this is not an advertisement because <laughs> at midnight, I heard some weird noises. And I got up and I looked out the door and somebody was trying to get into my room. No, shut and up. And I said, truly. And I said, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Someone's here. And they were like, oh, we're so sorry. They had been given the key, a key to my room by the front desk. Oh, okay. And I was expecting it was, uh, we're so drunk, we don't know what the numbers look like anymore. Well, I don't know if they were drunk or not, but they didn't seem to know what was going on because they were trying forever to get that key to work in that little card key thing. And, and uh, I mean, like uh, 20 minutes after I would have given up, they were still doing their thing because I, I was lying there in bed trying to figure out, is this my front door that is making this noise or is this something else in the hotel? And uh, then like five minutes later, the front desk called me and said, who are you? <laughs> and I told them who I was. And they said, you're supposed to be in a different room. <laughs> and I was like, well, they gave me the key to 231. And who gave you the key to 231? <laughs> well, how the fuck would you get in the room without a key that was coded to the door? Thank so you. how is it your problem? Thank you. And then they just hung up on me. And that was it. But I didn't get any sleep the rest of the night. So that sucked. What is the name of this horrible hotel again? $300 for a room in La Quinta. Do not stay at La Quinta. It was expensive for what reason I don't know, and it was shit. So I'm never staying in a hotel like that again. I'm only staying from now on in fancy hotels. Oh, believe me, that is the way to go. Um, I know. I went to Florida to see... I went to Florida for work, but I have a friend that lives in Florida. and Yeah. Well, I have a friend who has a condo in Florida, and it, it... and he had to go clean it out. It was a whole thing. Uh-huh. And so he booked his trip to overlap with my business trip, right? And I was like, I'll get in early and I'll help you clean out your place a little bit. That'll be fun because um, I really like cleaning and organizing and it'll be cool wow. for me, right? Also, it's not my mess so I can show up, do some fun stuff and then leave. And yeah. it doesn't matter to me how it all plays out. And uh, so he mm-hmm. was like, great, if you'll help me, then I'll... You could stay in my room, and I'll book a double bedded room. And it was yeah. um, it was days in, which oh, that's not so nice. I mean, uh, what do I know, right? And so we walked in, and no lie, the bedspread had stains on it. Oh, and I don't mean like body fluid stains. I mean like 
just stains. Stains are bad. Right? They look like That's grease disgusting. stains. They were black Ugh. smears. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, I'm not. And then... That's bad. I, I was like, oh, okay. Well, good news is we'll be able to stay in your condo. So I'll just leave my bags uh-huh. here. Let's go to the condo. And he'd gone in late the night before, so he hadn't been to his place. Uh-huh. So uh, we went out, and we had breakfast, and then fun, and then we drove over to his place, and it's been vacant for two years. Um, wow. And so I expected that it was going to be musty, sort of shut-in smell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we opened that door, and like a curtain of spider webs came blowing out through the front door, <laughs> and it was super fucking dark in there, and I oh, was wow. like, okay, this is fine, I... And the smell that just came rushing out the front door, oh, it was like, oh. it was like your dead grandmother coming to hug you. Oh, that's it horrible. Was, oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry, Grandma. I love you. Um, sure. It was bad. So what had happened was, um, apparently, a pipe had backed up, and it's one of oh. those pipes where, I don't know, air conditioners, they're not hard to figure out. There's some stupid pipe that you have to put bleach in to clear okay. it out. Like, I don't know if you do it every month or once a year, right? But whatever. And, you, and the the thing, the air conditioner gets serviced, right? It's and they blow out the pipe. Exactly. It's bacteria that grows in, algae grows in or whatever. Ew. Cool. And so, um, but apparently not his pipe. His upstairs neighbor's pipe had oh, backed no. up and had flooded her unit and it seeped down into his Oh no! Where mold took hold of the walls and so oh my god, all the furniture, every every piece of clothing that he owned, all of his bedding, like everything was covered in really? mold. Really, that's horrible. And oh, it was, it was so bad. And well, I mean, it was so bad, but also like this is my moment to shine because I <laughs> am wired to help, right? I wow. just am. Yeah. I have to fight it sometimes. Because I'm so fucking helpful. And I'm America's hero. And so I was like, we'll go to Home Depot. We'll get some bleach. I didn't even have to ask if he had bleach. I knew that he didn't. Right? Like, he doesn't have Windex. Doesn't have furniture polish. Doesn't have washing detergent. You know, it's just... (laughs) And so went to Home Depot, scrub walls and all that, right? Not that not that we made oh the place God. beautiful, but but got it, got it fixed up. But it went from You really did? Oh, uh, well, I mean, it was okay, right? Uh-huh. It went from like murder scene to yeah. jaywalking scene, right? Okay. Um Okay. So so great, so cool, but everything in this everything in this place was absolutely ruined, just done, dusted, toast over, right? Oh, and so sad. he called a junk company to come and clear out his condominium, get, haul out the couch, yeah. get rid of the dining room table, get rid of all the chairs, clothing. Yeah. And he had some Sono speakers. And I was like, are you throwing those Sono speakers away? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, of course, everything's got to go. And I was like, I take them with me and I'll bet I could save them. <laughs> and so I stuck them out on the back porch for three days to air them out. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't wash them, but like, you know, furniture polish, dust them and and mm-hmm. whatever else, all clean, purpose clean. I don't know. I was trying to like not destroy the electronics, but at the same time, kill the yeah. mold. And yeah. um, 
They still smell like mold, but I gave them to my sister. Uh, I was here's some uh, Sonos speakers. Moldy speakers. I told her they came Don't from a moldy house, but and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I know she is the type of person who will grab a microscope and go in there and remove the mold. What are the wow. individual cellular moments? Uh, spores. Yeah, the spores, but whatever. Yeah. She'll, the mold will be removed cell by cell. Um, wow. So cool. Yeah, and so that's what I did on my two-week vacation. I worked a lot and um, fought mold. But did you stay in that hotel? With those, oh, yeah, I forgot to things? connect those dots. So yeah. I had been looking forward to hanging out with my friend in his condo and ordering a pizza and wearing pajamas and watching dumb <laughs> movies, right? The Netflix uh-huh. thing. Um, what was it? The Murdoch murders. Um, oh, yeah. I watched it on the plane. I don't typically mm-hmm. watch true crime, um, but mm-hmm. every now and then something will catch my attention. True. And so I was telling about it. It was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I want to see that. It was like, I'll watch it with you again. And, I'll, and mm-hmm. you and I can pretend that we're attorneys and then debate about how all those attorneys <laughs> are wrong, right? How we would have solved this in five minutes. Uh, so cool. Uh, after after we got inside and turned on a light and saw the mold, I was like, Ooh. that hotel does not look bad at all now. <laughs> I guess not after all that mold. That is where we're staying. And that's where we stayed. And I crawled into that stain-covered bed smelling of mold and thankful to have dirty sheets to lay on top of that didn't have mold on them because that was it yeah so i hear you on the um luxury hotel only that's my new standard yeah yeah i'm sure nothing bad can happen to you at a luxury hotel no how dare it and if it does you do you know how much money i'm paying to stay here that's right. I mean, it wouldn't have been much more than $300 for me. To, it would have been $300 for me to stay at, at even like a Kimpton in Los Angeles and, and the same price and, and better service. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a luxury hotel, but it's a nice hotel and they, they take dogs. And oh, Kimpton's I would boutique. Have had somebody so. awake, awake, at, awake me, awaken me at the middle of the night. But anyway. No, they would have, so, yeah. they would have not. Well, had they awoken you, they, they would, would have not have accused you. <laughs> Breaking into right. a room. How did you <laughs> fuck us up? That's right. How is it your fault? Uh, it was terrible. But anyway, I'm in Arizona now, and I'll probably get broken into on here. But <laughs> sure, uh, absolutely. <laughs> but for now, I'm still alive. Um, so that's that's mostly my bacon. I, I did go to Coronado last weekend and have a good time. Had a good time there uh, with my husband, and it was a little cold, so it was it was too cold to hang out on the beach really. But um, but it was beautiful. We had a room overlooking the ocean, and uh, it was a nice hotel, and I can't complain about anything. San Diego is nice. We did go to the zoo, which was kind of a disappointment. For the number one zoo in the United States, I really wasn't all that impressed. But, I mean, I, I'm not a zoo expert, so maybe there are things about it that I don't understand. But, um, uh, but that was I nice. was going to say, there's... You know how, like, every city is the number one city, right? It's like, right, we're the number right. one city because we've... The most people spread out over the greatest surface area. We're the number one city because we have the most homes with pink roofs, right? What, whatever. So with the zoo thing, it's like, is it your collection? Is it the type of care you administer? Is it the number of people that you trick into coming in and watching imprisoned animals (laughs) do this? It's probably that. Yeah, zoos. I love them when they're so fucking depressing. 
I think they are depressing. I mean, this one wasn't as depressing as many, but it was still depressing. So we we, we took a little cart around the zoo because it was kind of big and we didn't want to wander all over the place not knowing where we were going because we, we tried that and it didn't work out. So we had we took a little tour and that was fun. So we got to see some animals sort of close up that we oh. normally wouldn't have had such a view to. But that was fun. I was so excited. I was like, did you get to drive yourself around the zoo in a little no, cart? No, that would be fun. Awesome. No. Okay, I'm revising my <laughs> zoo opinion right now. <laughs> Jail those animals and let me drive around and look at them. I'm having a good yeah. time. It'd be cool if they rented golf carts and let everybody drive themselves around. Um, so, yeah, so that's it. Um, how about you? What's your bacon? Well, I mean, other than Florida and other than work, um, that that is it. So yeah. um, I have to, like, really think. I did watch some. Oh, I watched a movie last night. Because oh, yeah. tonight... In in our real time as we record this, as opposed uh-huh. to our fake time when we're not recording anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, it's the Oscars, and mm. I'll be watching because it'll be fun, mm. and uh, look forward to it a little bit. Cool, um, can't wait to see how often they reference the slap, which is the only moment in Oscar history that anybody even remembers. Right. Right. And so fine. Um, and so last night I was like, I should watch an Oscar nominated, whatever mm-hmm. film, Theo. They're called films. And uh, I've seen The Whale, which it was good. Like, was it? it yeah, it, it was good. Okay. It, um, Brendan Fraser was good. And so yeah. um, all the prizes are yours, right? Cool, Brendan Fraser. Uh, and so I watched Women Talking. And I've got to oh, say. I forgot that was even a movie. The title gives it away. <laughs> um, but uh, it was definitely like, it's good. It is good. And is it? oh, yes, it is good. Okay. As a matter of fact, um, there were moments that were, I, I won't call them genius because I don't know enough about film to know if they're like ripping off other films, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the camera work is exquisite. And there are those movies that are like actors movies and the whale is an actor's movie. You watch it to, you watch it to watch Brendan Fraser. Right. And then there are films that are films and those you watch for the whole construction of the piece, right? Everything from camera angles and shoots or shots, not shoots, um, to, to dialogue, to pacing, to color saturation, to the whole fucking schmear is encapsulated in women talking. So good. And there was this one wow. scene that it took my breath away. And it's just the camera right. work, right? And I'm oh, not wow. giving anything away when I when I say, and I'm not a film nerd, right? I don't look uh-huh. at like, it sounds like, oh, yeah, all you do is study camera angles. Uh, no, not at all. It's just, it was that fucking good. It caught my attention, right? Wow. And it was, this woman is standing, looking out into the distance, thinking about something, not talking for a moment in the film. Mm-hmm. And the camera sort of pans 360 around her, um, but it's more of, a, of an intimate shot. So it's like, a, a, anyway, so uh, it it turns around her and stops, comes back to its original position 
and she turns her head in a counter direction from the way that the camera had moved. And it's just such this beautiful movement. And like, it was, it was stunning. And camera work does not usually, I've been talking five minutes about the stupid camera work. Fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. And the, the premise of the film is good. I got three quarters of the way through and I was like, uh, enough. Um, No, you know what? I saved it because I was like, this really does feel like a Sunday afternoon film. Like this, uh-huh. th- this was a Saturday night. It was 845 okay. PM dangerously close to my bedtime. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, I'll save it for tomorrow. I will finish it. It is a bit not heavy, but it is heavy. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, and I just, I loved it. I loved it. And, I would be really interested Very in cool. your thoughts on it as a feminist. Try and watch it today. Is it feminist at all, or is it just women talking? <laughs> do they ever do anything else? <laughs> um, yes, they do. And I forget, um, it's, um, oh, God, it's um, the male gaze. The, the um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dot, 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 And so some... Uh, air quotes around feminists. Some of these feminist movies are sort of like a counter reaction to the male gaze, right? We're, we're going to do the opposite of it. And this one did not do that. Um, and I'm sure they didn't do it intentionally because it, it does, it's a cliched move. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it a feminist movie? Um, I would say so. Okay. Um, but I'm a man that makes it so. Yeah. But I, I'm asking you if it's a feminist movie. I'm not going to you know, judge it myself. I want you to know. You to tell me because you're the man. Right, exactly. I'm glad we've sorted that out. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Now I have something to watch as as as, long, as well as whatever that uh, TV series that I told you to watch with Natasha Lyonne. Um, that name I've already forgotten. But. I want to call it The Punter, and that's not <laughs> it. That's a bad word in English. In British it's, English. Uh, I'll think of it in a moment. Uh, I'll think of, I'll think of it in a moment because I'll look the it profiler. up. The profiler. It's uh, poker face. That's it. It started with a P. Yeah. Points to me. You're right. You're right in spirit. All right. So what do we got today? Well, I don't know. After about, a twenty yeah. minute warm up. Um... <laughs> we have. Um, well, I'll tell you what we have. I'll, let me just jump right in. So let's do that. A Facebook post by somebody named J M Roth appeared in January 2016, uh, referring to St. Paul uh, Black Lives Matter protesters. If you remember back in 2016, that was a big time for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and this this Facebook post said, I'm going to read it to you now, run them over, keep traffic flowing, and don't slow down for any of these idiots who try and block the street. Here's the deal. You continue to drive, and if you hit someone, meaning a protester, make sure you call 911 to report the accident and meet the cops a block or two away, and you can justify stopping further away because you feared for your safety, since in the past, people in this group have shown a propensity towards violence. Since they are trying to block the street and or cross where there is no crossing, you should not be charged with anything. Now, these idiots could try and sue you in civil court, but remember that it will be jury trial, and so most likely it will come out in your favor. Yeah. So that is a person saying, run over protesters. If you're driving down there, uh, just run them over. Literally, run them over. Uh, don't think for a moment about what else you should do or whether that's right or anything like that. Just just run them over. Uh, you know, and, and t- here's, how to, here's how to get out of it. So the 
striking thing, uh, well, a striking thing, is that this wasn't the first time that this J.M. Roth person had posted things like this to Facebook. The administrator of the Twin Cities Police Accountability Facebook page reported that he trolled their pages in the past, calling people names and making defamatory comments, and had even previously encouraged people to run over protesters. And what makes this really disturbing is that, as activist Andrew Henderson figured out, J.M. Roth was actually Sergeant Jeff Rothaker, a 22-year member of the St. Paul Police and a vice president in the Minnesota Fraternal Order of Police. After the activist Andrew Henderson turned over his information to the St. Paul Police Department, Rothaker was put on leave pending an investigation. He resigned as vice president of the Minnesota Fraternal Order of Police. As it turns out, uh, Rothaker was the subject of 15 previous internal affairs investigations during his 22 years at the department. Fifteen? Fifteen. That's Seven wh- of these complaints. Almost yeah. one a year. Like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was not a good guy, it seems. I mean. Hard to believe expressing opinions like that from. on, yeah, the internet, <laughs> even though he was doing it semi-anonymously, but. Right? Mm-hmm. Seven of the 15 complaints were sustained, uh, but the most serious discipline he got was a two-day suspension for not properly supervising an officer who beat up a prisoner in a holding cell, causing him to need 12 staples to his head. And the story that I read said that the officer beat up this prisoner because the prisoner was dating his daughter. In jail? In jail. He, I, I don't, he, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, yeah, but... I don't know. I mean, I don't know the whole story. He 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 got arrested somehow, and he got in a while in a holding cell. The officer whose daughter was dating him beat him up. So that officer eventually resigned as a St. Paul police officer. And Chief Thomas Smith wrote in a discipline letter to Rothaker, "Your actions reflect poorly upon you and have brought additional scrutiny to police officers of this department. As a sergeant, your actions in this instance showed a lack of respect and poor judgment." Your failure to lead has brought embarrassment to the department, was an extremely poor example for those you were trusted to supervise, and has impacted careers of officers you were responsible to protect. Separately, he was also found guilty of invasion of privacy of a fellow police officer by accessing her driver's license record for non-work reasons. And I read that for some reason, people really wanted to look up this woman's driver's license. Oh, I, so like 400 officers access her driver's license. I can totally a, a tell you why. Time. I tripped over why? that same one. Yeah. And I was like, why? It's just a driver's license photo, right? Yeah. She had lost a ton of weight. That's it? That was it. She'd lost, well, she made her makeover, basically, is what it was. Yeah. So I don't know what she um, looked like before. Uh, uh-huh. I always get a little queeby talking about people's looks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all so much more than how we look. Um, we're all much better than how we look. Case even, in point. Even better. Yes. But <laughs> apparently she was a real schlub and turned herself in. Hi, Dad. Thank you. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I get queeby because I know such great You're words for ugly out. people. <laughs> um, there's a Yiddish word that's miskite, and that means like super ugly, right? And I've always oh, no. loved that word. Just miskite. Just miskite. <laughs> um, but okay, cool. So, um, Complete makeover. She went from schlub to model quality. Well, and the, and all all right, everybody so was to like, look up "Wow!" Her picture and was her picture a good picture or was it a bad picture? I, I'll say it was a fine picture because um, it was okay. in the oh, news article that I looked I at. Think it matters. Um, it's, yeah, you know, it's a blonde curl. I mean, she looked like a. 
I'll say it right to entertain our listeners. She looked like a pretty female police officer. She had that cop okay. look to her, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but pretty. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So, like, a ton of people accessed her driver's license like illegally for non-work reasons, and he was one of the many that did, and he was found guilty of invasion of privacy for doing that. So, this is one of the many things he was accused of and and found guilty of. Um, but back to his recommendations for people to run their fellow human beings over for legally protesting and how to get away with it. And how to get away with it, probably more, well, not more egregiously, but equally egregiously. Um, he did issue a written apology, which we will read in a moment. Um, and for that, for the, not the apology, but he was allowed to resign in February of 2016. I think it was 2016. Um, but in 2017, so after he sort of got away with, with what he did, um, a man drove over and killed Heather Heyer and injured more than 30 others in Charlottesville at a Unite the Right rally. Uh, she was a protester, and that man pleaded guilty to 29 of 30 federal hate crime charges and fortunately was sentenced to life in prison. Um, but perhaps like he ha- had been emboldened by such recommendations as those that Rothaker made to go ahead and just run them over. And this became like a, a meme, I guess, um, among the right, you know, run them over. And Jared Lawfer in 2020 got off scot-free for driving his SUV through a tiny group of Black Lives Matter protesters in Tennessee. And he sped away, leaving a man with a concussion, brain bleed, and two broken legs. He faced no charges despite a two-day manhunt to track him down after witnesses identified his out-of-state license plate number. He did eventually turn himself in. um, And his entire family, his wife, and his three kids under the age of six were all in the car with him at the time of the accident. Quote. Um, By the time of his arrest, his earlier social media posts joking about running over protesters had been scrubbed from the internet, but were preserved in screen screen grabs captured by a local progressive news site. People are so fucking stupid. They just are, right? I ran somebody down on the road, and I'm going to brag about it online. Brag. Oh, oops, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Have you heard of the fucking internet? Right? And and why Why am I mad at him for getting caught? Being dumb enough to. Well, why would you make jokes about running people over and then run people over? And well, that. Think that that wasn't going to come back to haunt you in some way. Uh, you're just nuts. People are just nuts. Uh, the arm. Go ahead oh no, I was going to say, but me. clearly, because what sane person runs somebody over, right? Right on purpose. Uh, there's a lot of Horrible. philosophy out there that I don't care for. There are a lot of political viewpoints that I don't care yeah. for. If I saw the embodiment yeah. of that viewpoint walking across the street. I would not run them down. Absolutely not. No matter how much I hated them and their stupid ideas and their disgusting right. behavior, I would not run them over. I'd just honk my horn real loud. Maybe give them the finger. You're really going places. <laughs> I was just honking. I mean, if you were really, really upset, you might, you know, slap them. But you would never run them you over. You might smear their that's face just, with dog poo like that Sherman Ballet guy that's did. That's right, yeah. like last week or last time we talked. But, I mean, you don't run them over. That's just really ridiculous. Um, but but the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project identified 69 malicious ramming attacks against protesters. So people obviously don't agree with us. And this was just between May 28th and September 15th of 2020. Um, a different group of terrorism researchers from the University of Chicago found that between about that same time, people drove vehicles into protesters 104 times. At least 43 of these cases involve drivers with obvious malicious intent, which is demonstrated by the yelling of racial epithets or other aggressive acts. And of these 104 drivers, just 39 faced any criminal charges. So that's not even a third. How? How do people not 
get at least a fine. It, at least something. I mean, but you should have your license taken away if, if not, you know, thrown in jail and put to death. Well, you know what? If you run me <laughs> over, I don't want you in jail. Your prison punishment is you come to my house every fucking day for a year and you do what I say. How's that punishment? Well, I have to do what I say. I like your house. I know, but I have a lot of weeding I need done and like <laughs> I have my legs broken. I can't get out in the yard. You have to take care of me now because you, you hurt me. You have to take care of me. Right. Can you imagine? That would be awful. Um, It'd be great. Okay. Fill my bath with bubbles. Use a straw. <laughs> And don't spout your MAGA bullshit while you're at it. Uh, in 2021, this sort of builds on what we just talking about. Oklahoma actually passed a law granting immunity to drivers who unintentionally injure or kill protesters while attempting to flee, and which stiffen penalties for demonstrators who block public roadways. The same year, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, signed an anti-riot bill into law that, among other things, grants civil immunity to people who decide to drive their cars into protesters who are blocking a road. Iowa has also enacted laws shielding motorists who run over protesters from liability under certain circumstances. I just can't believe this. I just can't believe it. I mean, I believe it, but... Um, and that's it. That's all I have. Uh, do you have anything for us? Well, I do. Um, I have the history of policing because oh, this guy wow. who is a police officer. And when you said 22 initially, I thought that was going to be followed by years old. And part of me mm. was like, oh, OK, that 22 year veteran. So he's been a cop yeah. for 22 years yeah. uh, in charge of people's safety. Or not in charge of, or, or right, in charge of endangering people. Um, and so initially it was a little bit like, oh, Black Lives Matter, that's interesting. And yes, it is, but it's a decentralized movement and researching it just was, it was it's very diffuse. There were like a lot of different threads to pull together. Yeah. Um, and so I am going to be thanking the New Yorker magazine and in particular, I want to give a giant thank you to the writer, not just the publisher, Jill Lepore. Thank you, Jill. This oh. is from 2020. Do you know her? I know the name. Okay, great. Well, um, I'd never heard it before, but reading the article, I was like, Jill, I'm going to be looking for you um, because I learned so much. Um, it is long because it is the history of policing. I will go through it um, quickly. And we might hit one or two places where I decide to skip just based on time. And mm -hmm. I'll preface all this by saying that the the history of policing uh, as police formed in the United States pulls okay. from Caribbean islands and um, England. And some of those threads track through individual people, right? And so um, it's a lot of names, a lot of dates. And I will say... Uh, there will be no pop quiz after this, so Thank God. just let the just let the details go because what we're looking for is the common theme here, right? Okay. Um, so cool. Let's just dive in. I will be reading. Uh, to police is to maintain law and order, but the word derives from polis, the Greek for city or polity, by the way of politia, poli politia, the Latin for citizenship. You can probably pronounce that. And it entered English from the Middle French police, which meant not constables, but government. The police, as a civil force charged with deterring crime, came to the United States from England and is generally associated with monarchy, 
keeping the king's peace, which makes it surprising that in the anti-monarchical United States, it got so big so fast. The reason is mainly slavery. Abolish the Police is a rallying cry dates to 1988, the year that NWA recorded Fuck the Police. But long before anyone called for its abolition, someone had to invent the police. The ancient Greek, I love this point, um, the ancient Greek polis had to become the modern police. To be political, to live in a polis, society, um, a city, meant that everything was determined through words and persuasion and not through force and violence, Hannah Ardent wrote in The Human Condition. Uh, so basically, in the polis, it was all about the exchange of ideas and the debates of ideas and not the use of force. Mm. In the polis, men argued and debated as equals under a rule of law. Outside the polis, in households, men dominated women, children, servants, and slaves under a rule of force. Kings asserted such a rule of force over their own subjects on the idea that the kingdom was their household. In 1769, William Blackstone, in his Commentaries on the Laws of England, argued that the king, as paterfamilias of the nation, directs the public police, exercising the means by which the individuals of the state, like members of a well-governed family, are bound to conform their general behavior to the rules of propriety, good neighborhood, and good manners, and to be decent, industrious, and inoffensive in their respective stations. The police are the king's men. The American Revolution toppled the power of the king over his people, but not the power of a man over his family. The power of the police has its origins in that kind of power. Under the rule of law, people are equals. Under the rule of police, we are not. We are more like the women, children, servants, and slaves in a household in ancient Greece, the people who were not allowed to be part of the polis. But for centuries, through struggles for independence, emancipation, enfranchisement, and equal rights, we've been fighting to enter the polis. One way to think about abolish the police, then, is... Um, this is an argument that now that all of us have finally clawed our way into the polis, the police are mm -hmm. obsolete. Well, I love that point. Mm. That, I, I get it. Of course, the police are yeah. not obsolete. Um, yeah. So the history of policing begins in England in the 13th century when maintaining the king's peace became the duty of an officer of the court called a constable aided by his watchman. Every male adult could be called on to take a turn walking a ward at night and if trouble came, to raise a hue and a cry. This practice lasted for centuries. A version of this still endures. George Zimmerman, when he shot and killed Trayvon Martin in 2012, was serving on his neighborhood watch. Mm. The watch didn't work especially well in England. The average constable is an... Listen to this in the appropriate accent. The average constable <laughs> is an ignoramus oh, <laughs> who knows little or nothing of the law, Blackstone wrote. And it did not work especially well in England's colonies. Richmond paid poor men to take their turns on the watch, which meant that most watchmen were either very elderly or very poor and very exhausted from working all day. Boston established a watch in 1631. New York tried paying watchmen in 1658. In Philadelphia in 1705, the governor expressed the view that the militia could make the city safer than the watch, but militias weren't supposed to police the king's subjects. This was pre-Civil War, Civil War, uh, pre-War for Independence, 1705. Um, so mm -hmm. we were British subjects. 
they were supposed to serve the common defense, waging wars against the French, fighting native peoples who were trying to hold on to their lands, or suppressing slave rebellions. In 1661, the English colony of Barbados passed its first slave law, which revised in 1688, decreed that Negroes and other slaves were wholly unqualified to be governed by the laws of our nations, and devised and said a special set of rules for the good regulating and ordering of them. Virginia adopted similar measures known as the Slave Codes in 1680. Let's visit a portion of the Slave Codes from 1680. It shall not be lawful for any Negro or other slave to carry or arm himself with any club, staff, gun, sword, or any other weapon of defense or offense, not to go or depart from his master's ground without a certificate from his master, mistress, or overseer, and such permission not to be granted upon particular and necessary occasions. And every Negro or, every Negro or slave so offending, not having a certificate, as aforesaid, shall be sent to the next constable, who is hereby enjoined and required to give the said negro twenty lashes on his bare back, well laid on, and so sent home to his master, mistress, or overseer, and that if any negro or other slave shall be absent himself from his mistress, master's service, and lie hid and lurking in obscure places, committing injuries to the inhabitants, and shall resist any person or persons that shall by any lawful authority be employed to apprehend and take the said Negro, that then in case of such resistance shall be lawful for such persons or persons to kill the said Negro or slave, so lying out and resisting. Um, so, you know, wow, uh, quite a bit there. In the 18th century New York, a person held as a slave could not gather in a group of more than three, could not ride a horse, could not hold a funeral at night, could not be out for an hour after sunset without a lantern, and should not sell Indian corn, peaches, or any other fruit in any street or market in the city. Uh, that was a way of ensuring that uh, they just didn't get their hands on money. Um, let's see. Then we have the slave patrols, and those uh, originated in Cuba, and we had plantations in throughout the Caribbean, and a lot of the plantation owners were from wealthy Southern families in the U.S., and so somebody might be managing the lands in Cuba or Barbados and then come back home to South Carolina, and they would bring these ideas for controlling the slave populations on those island nations with them to the U.S. And so those methods and techniques got um, sort of picked up uh, by the constables and people who were responsible for maintaining order. In 1789, Jeremy Betham, noting that police had recently entered the English language, in, meaning in something like its modern sense, made this distinction. Police keep the peace, justice punishes disorder. Then in 1797, a London magistrate named Patrick Colohan published a treatise on the police of the metropolis. He too distinguished peace kept in the streets from justice administered by the courts. Police were responsible for the regulation and correction of behavior and the prevention and detection of crimes. It is often said that Britain created the police and the United States copied it. One could argue that the reverse is true. Mm -hmm. Colkin spent his teens and early 20s in colonial Virginia. So he was a British guy who came to the States, 
lived and worked in Virginia, and then went back to London. Um, he'd served as an agent for British cotton manufacturers and owned shares in sugar plantations in Jamaica. He knew all about the slave codes and slave patrols. But nothing came of Colican's ideas about policing until 1829, when Home Secretary Robert Peel, in the wake of a great deal of labor unrest in England, and after years of suppressing Catholic rebellions in Ireland, in his capacity as the Irish Secretary, persuaded Parliament to establish the Metropolitan Police, a force of some 3,000 men headed by two civilian justices, later called commissioners, and organized like an army, with each superintendent overseeing four inspectors, six sergeants, and 165 constables who wore coats and pants of blue with black top hats, each assigned a numbered badge and a baton. Londoners came to call these men Bobbies for Bobby Peel. Hmm. How cool. That's where the British word Bobbies comes from. Cool. Never thought about it. Um, it is also often said that modern America urban policing began in 1838 when the Massachusetts legislature authorized the hiring of police officers in Boston. This, too, ignores the role of slavery in history of the police. In 1829, a black abolitionist in Boston named David Walker published an appeal to the colored citizens of the world calling for violent rebellion. One good black man can put to death six white men. Walker was found dead within the year. And Boston thereafter had a series of mob attacks against abolitionists. Gee, I wonder why. Including an attempt to lynch William Lloyd Garrison, the publisher of The Liberator, in 1835. Walker's words terrified Southern slave owners. The governor of North Carolina wrote to his state senators, Shall we use an accent? I beg you will lay this matter before the police of your town and invite their prompt attention to the necessity of arresting the circulation the circulation of the book by police he meant slave patrols in response to walker's appeal north carolina formed a statewide patrol committee so we had white people saying hey black people should really rise up and and take out some white people and Mm -hmm. as political opponents to the slave owners this made the slave owners uneasy and Mm -hmm. these words required generated a fear that this this could actually really happen. We have white people advocating mm-hmm. for it. So we better make sure it doesn't happen. Let's uh, let's get some men out on some horses. Mm. New York established a police department in 1844. And this is the thing, like police departments are so relatively new. 1844, I was like six years old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> new Orleans and Cincinnati followed in 1852. Um, and then Philadelphia, Chicago, and Baltimore Population growth, the widening of inequality brought about by the Industrial Revolution, and the rise in such crimes as prostitution and burglary all contributed to the emergence of urban policing. So did immigration, especially from Ireland and Germany, and the hostility to immigration. A new party, the Know-Nothings, sought to prevent immigrants from voting, holding office, and becoming citizens. In 1854, Boston disbanded its ancient watch and formally established a police department. That year... The know-nothing swept the city elections. Um, Hmm. American police differed from their English counterparts. In the U.S., police commissioners as political employees fell under local control with limited supervision, and law enforcement was decentralized. Also, unlike their British counterparts, American police carried guns, initially their own. 
in the eight, and that just means they private person who owned guns. Mm-hmm. In the 1860s, the Colt Firearms Company began manufacturing a compact revolver called a pocket police model long before the New York Metropolitan Police began issuing service weapons. American police carried guns because Americans carried guns, including Americans mm. who lived in parts of the country where they hunted for food and defended their livestock from wild animals. Americans became vigilantes, especially likely to kill indigenous peoples and to lynch people of color. Between 1840 and the 1920s, mobs, vigilantes, and law officers, including the Texas Rangers, lynched some 500 Mexicans and Mexican-Americans and killed thousands more, not only in Texas, but also in territories that became the states of California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico. A San Francisco Vigilance Committee established in 1851, arrested, tried, and hanged people. It boasted a membership in the thousands. An L.A. vigilance community targeted and lynched Chinese immigrants. Uh, Let's see. I think I'm going to scroll through a bunch of this because it's we start getting into how these organized groups of people who were appointed to uphold the law and used their own weapons to do so, and then later received weapons, um, sort of get married to the military, meaning that people who had been employed in the military then eventually start joining the police. So then there's this move that starts to occur where because there's this nervousness of black people and black people grouped together and living in communities, Police forces went into those communities, and that's where we get the over police over over policing. Those are the terms I'm looking for of people of color and the um, high volume of arrest. So there was one city where 25 percent of the people who were arrested were people of color, but they comprised only seven percent of the entire population. We'll leave it at that. Um, it's a great article. It is from July twenty third, sorry, twenty twenty, and Jill Lamore in the New Yorker, and it's called the invention of the invention of the police. Um, it's interesting. I hadn't realized how tied in with racism and slavery the police uh, officer stuff was. And I'll say Policing. those, whatever your foundation is it eventually just becomes the DNA of your organization, right? Yeah. And and so those ideas are hard-baked into our concepts of what is a police officer. And that just gets down to, um, or it touches upon being raised within a racist society and not understanding how things function because we don't have to understand how they function. They just work to benefit yeah. us. So... So it's not surprising that a police officer would tell um, people how to run over Black Lives protesters or Black Lives Matter BLM protesters because because that's the training he received. This is this is what you do. So, yeah, let's read his apology. All right. Um. So he did post an apology. There's some question in my mind, at least, as to whether he wrote this apology. Um, my guess is no. 
but you can judge for yourself. So what he said was, I am extremely sorry for posting what I did. I understand that the post was insensitive and wrong. My poor choice of words conveyed a message I did not intend and am not proud of. Shortly after submitting the post, I reread, I reread it and deleted it. As a law enforcement officer, I would never intentionally encourage someone to commit a crime. I very much regret my actions. I apologize to all the citizens of St. Paul, the department, my fellow law enforcement professionals, and my family for the scornful attention my, mistakes, my mistake has brought upon them. I apologize for exposing all law enforcement officers to increased scrutiny during this difficult time of ongoing conflict between officers and members of the community. I apologize to the community members who participated peacefully in the protest. Sergeant Jeff Rothaker. What do you think, Theo? Um, so when, I, when I first read it, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, bullshit move. And I don't think that he wrote it um, himself, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, okay, there's a, I'm apologizing for the thing that I did. But when I got to scornful attention, it just yeah. all fell apart for me right there, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a 1.5. And I'm giving it a 1.5 because he does... It starts off okay. And if it had kept on in that same vein right it could have been a three it was never gonna it was never gonna be a five right right um so yeah i mean he said my poor choice of words which is ridiculous um what else did he say that i thought was was ridiculous yeah i apologizing exposing people to increased scrutiny sorry for the scornful attention um blah 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 so let's look at it from the criteria of our yay um, our criteria. And was there an expression of regret? Yes. He says, I very much regret my actions. Okay. Was there an explanation of what went wrong? Well, he said it was a poor choice of words. So sort of, was there an acknowledgement of responsibility? Yes. Was there a declaration of repentance? Yes. Was there an offer of repair? No, no, he didn't offer to do a thing to help or change what he had done or the effects of it. Was there a request for forgiveness? No, but all that said, I mean, it did hit some of the points that we usually look for. Right. But with all that said, I, I, I don't feel that it was a sincere apology. I think he was writing it to save his own butt. Um, so we don't, I just noticed when I was looking at this earlier that we don't have a criteria for sincerity. And maybe we should add one. Uh, I'm not sure about that. But I don't think there was sufficient sincerity in this apology. So I'm giving it, I'm giving it a 2. I, I'm giving oh. it higher than a 1.5, which is unusual that I would give it higher than is you. Is it because he's a man? Um, because he's a man, a white man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> On behalf of white men, thank and, you. Yeah, and his uh, his his life should not be ruined by the actions of a moment. I I mean, you know, on one on one hand, fair. Um, there is <laughs> there is this disconnect, and I get it between what people say online and then what they would yeah. say to you to your face in real life. Right? Real life is oh, yeah. different. Oh yeah. And so. Were these his real opinions? Sure. Right. Doubt it. Um, would he have been horrified if somebody had taken his advice? Um, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know if he'd been horrified. Would he have been gleeful? I also don't know. Um, but what I would say is that I get flippant. I understand making a flippant comment online. Right. 
I don't do yeah. that bullshit because I just don't engage with anybody, even in real life, yeah. let alone online. Yeah. Like I'm trying to avoid everybody already. <laughs> Why would I go looking for you? Um, yeah. Uh, then there's it's it's not that it's tough. It's well, what the tough bit is the guidance he gives for yeah. how to get Avoiding. away with it. Yeah. Right. That's a direct action plan. Step one, step two, step three. And, and reasonable so you enough. You know, this was thought through. You yeah. know, this was thought through what he said. It was considered, it was, it was um, carefully thought through from the perspective of somebody in the police who would know, um, one would presume, would know how to get away with something like that. Uh, whether or not that's true, and if you did all the things that he said, you would actually get away with it. I don't know. I imagine it would depend on the police department that you were dealing with, but... Um, but maybe he's right, and I just yeah the whole thing. I'm, I'm going to take it down from a two to a to a one actually. And the way my brain is wired, right? When I'm like, as God, I am going to bring mm-hmm. retribution upon you, right? So my mm-hmm. punishment for him would have been let's go back in time, and he publishes his thing, right? And his daughter is the one that gets hit by a driver who pulls oh, yeah. over and calls nine one one. Right. And follows the guideline. What do you think then about your advice, buddy? Why should his daughter have to suffer for this? Let's make it him, his son. (laughs) 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 Yeah, let him get run over. Well, let him get run over and have somebody not be punished. Okay. So there's a Nazi march through town and he's there and he's marching. Right. That's the only way he's going to be marching in the streets. Sure. Right. Sure. And then two. Um, somebody comes and follows his guideline. Well, that person is not going to be a Nazi, right? Unless it's a Nazi, it's a Nazi who's driving. It's got to be. It's it's got to be a Nazi who's driving. And here's why. Okay. Because if it's if it's me, if it's you, if it's anybody you else, it's like, oh it. well, these leftists, right? Yeah. So, by the way, I am not a leftist. I am a. I am. I don't know what I am, but I. <laughs> I know what I'm not. Right. Uh, and I specifically. I'm a democratic socialist. A who? A democratic socialist. I thought you said a magnam a, a magnamic. I was like a magnanimous. <laughs> I'm a magnanimous socialist. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> you should be. Um, anyway, but it's it's got to be somebody from the right who hates him personally, right? Yeah. So that way the yeah. the political differences disappear and it just becomes right. a personal thing. I fucking hate you. Right. J.M. Roth, Jeff. because you dated my wife's sister. Right. Right. And I hear your name sure, at dinner not? all the time. Run you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think then? But so. But anyway. You're right. His, his poor daughter shouldn't. His poor daughter suffers enough. She does, I'm sure. If he even has the daughter, I don't know. Um, so, okay. That's it. We hate this apology. Uh, it's not the worst <laughs> one we've ever seen. But it's pretty bad, so we give it a, a 1.25 total overall average between the two of us. Um, so who's sorry now? Well, I'll tell you, it's um, not me because I haven't done anything to be sorry for, but I am going to say that apology expected, and maybe on Monday, maybe on Tuesday, but real soon, yeah. from Silicon yeah. Valley Bank. Oh, my God. I wondered if we would talk about this. Oh, well, how could we not? Because, you know, yeah. Um, so they're sorry for going bankrupt. Oopsie. Sorry. We took all your delicious money and spent it on candy. It's more delicious to Uh, us. And so, um, for our 
our listeners out there who don't know how banking works, which apparently is Silicon Valley Bank, um, <laughs> they got a lot of money and they put it in some bonds that were supposed to return a lot of money. But um, bonds didn't perform well because of the economy. And at the same time, mm-hmm. a lot of their investors came and they were like, you know, the tech industry is not doing so great right now. So we'd like to get our $3 million and we're going to take mm-hmm. it and we're going to, I don't know, invest it in our company or we're going to do some advertising with it. So we just need that money so that we can do some stuff so that we can keep making money. And so they started yep. paying people back and that's how they went bankrupt. I understand that the Fed raising interest rates had something to do with it too, but that's all I know about it. And I can't. The, the like interest rates impacted the bond market. I don't know that that's true, uh-huh. but it seems like if I say that. <laughs> Okay, sure. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Of course. Why didn't I think of that? I mean, well, duh. As, as a lawyer and an economist, I can tell you. Yes, of course. So is this going to affect you personally so far? Are you going to change how you do any of your banking as a result? Are you getting nervous? Are you going to take any money out and move it to another bank? No, not at all. Uh, but I do expect that there will be some uh, waves in the financial markets and this... Yeah. Could be a Bear Stearns moment where it's like, yeah. oh shit, look what happened. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. Um, will it? Uh, but it it is a bank that specialized in tech. Tech's yes. not doing great. So uh, I'm not going to make any movements. And from what I understand, this is all a result of a 2018 deregulation put into place by the Trump administration and would not have happened mm. had certain laws been in place. But oh, interesting. to quote, um, uh, Katie Porter's all over it. She's already introduced a okay. bill. Yay. I love you, Katie. She's already introduced you. a bill to repeal the 2018 law. Um, and, uh, and that would that would happen. And I will quote uh, a friend's father who mm-hmm. made an appreciable chunk of change. And so when he ever said anything about money, I would remember. Listen. I never heard him, but my friend quotes this all the time. And it is pigs get fed and hogs get slaughtered. Don't be greedy. Yeah. And the Don't be greedy. Trump administration made it easy for greedy people to be greedy. And look what happened. Here we go. Yeah. That's the one bit of good advice that my former CEO gave to me. Um, out of all the shit he did and said, he said, don't be greedy. And I live by that. So. Yep, me too. Now give me all your money. Um, so who's who's sorry now for me? Yeah. Um, I have one that's kind of iffy, but I liked it. You'll see why in a minute. It, it affects me personally. Uh, pharmacies should be sorry. Why? Well, Ozempic, the brand name for semaglutide, um, a drug which is also sold under the brand name Wagovi. Wagovi is FDA approved for weight loss. Uh, Ozempic is approved only for diabetes. And um, it's very popular. You've probably heard about it on the news or on TikTok or wherever you get your information these days. Many independent pharmacies do not anymore um, provide semaglutide or Ozempic or Wagovi, Wagovi um, because they're paid less to dispense these drugs than they cost them to buy, which I didn't know, which was interesting. These are very expensive drugs and insurance doesn't cover them. So yeah, how can that be? I see you looking. Yeah. How can it be that it costs less? To I don't know the answer to that question, but it apparently is the truth. And in addition, because there's also an ongoing shortage of Ozempic, uh, some pharmacies simply can't stock them consistently. So, But I think the pharmacies should figure out how to 
dispense these drugs and do it oh, because oh, I take one of them. Oh, let me tell you right now that problem solved. It is going to yeah. happen. And here's how, here's how I know. Right. Okay. So, um, when the Biden administration put in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, what part okay. of that capped uh, uh, insulin cost at like thirty-five bucks, yes. right? Yes. And so, while Ozempic is not insulin, right? Um, yes. Whatever, because it doesn't help prove my point. And so, I've just taken the air out of my own tires. But here's what <laughs> I'm going to say. The cap at 35, it's not everybody, it's just whoever's under Medicare, right? But that's a shit ton of people. So this impacts the pharmaceutical industry. Um, And a shit ton is an actually very specific numeric number of weights, right? Right. It's like several trillion (laughs) tons. Um, So how do you make up for this loss? Volume. Volume sales. There's certainly a lot of volume of sales with Ozempic, I think, and Wagovi. I mean, I would from from the news anyway. It seems like everybody's on it. Oh, I mean, I'm on it. I'm on so, it. So, well, there you go. And that's the whole world, right there. I called. I called a friend. I told you this pre-show, but I called a friend, and I was. I had spoken to her in a while, and I was like, "Oh my God, uh, so much to catch up on." Uh, guess who's on Ozempic? And she said, "Everyone I know." <laughs> Exactly. I was like, oh, well, that's my big fucking news. <laughs> Click. Yeah. So uh, the only problem with Ozempic and those drugs is the cost because I can't get my insurance to pay for it. So uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stay on it because it's just it's pricey. It's over a thousand dollars a month. Get, get ready for the great price reduction in that because it doesn't have to it's be a thousand dollars a month if 300 million people are on the drug. Yeah. Right. It's a dollar. A dollar a month, and they're making three hundred million a month. I mean, right? You think? And the and yeah. So, um, yeah, I got it all figured out. So. This will be at the Seven <laughs> Eleven. I'm looking forward to it. I can get it with my lottery ticket. The, the drive by Ozempic clinic. That's right. <laughs> they just throw it at the cars as the cars drive by. It's free. My friend you can have it. Um, has some interesting social connections, and uh-huh. she said. All the dealers that I know uh-huh. have Ozempic. She's really? like, I'm getting calls. Hey, do you want some O? And really? she's like, no, no, I don't. Do you have any cocaine? No, there's a shortage. <laughs> have you heard the supply chain? But yeah. There's a shortage of cocaine, but we can get you Ozempic. Kidding about the cocaine shortage, everybody. There's plenty. <laughs> don't panic. All right, that's, well, that's it. it for this week, I believe. It is a Thanks, show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us once again. We appreciate you, and uh, we want to remind you to stay cool, cucumbers, and don't trip potato chip. Catch you on and the we'll flip see side. You probably next week. Yeah, catch you on the flip side. Bye, Bye everyone. listening to apologies accepted the podcast you can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes to submit an apology or find out more visit us at apologiesaccepted.net where you can also find our merchandise we're on twitter at apologies accepted and on instagram at apologies.accepted you can support our important work at patreon forward slash apologies accepted and fuck facebook <laughs> bye <laughs> bye